Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. Who's also the better barbecue cook. Hello. Well, he's not. And we're also brought to you by ProQ Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe and Smokewood Shack, who all agree that I am the best barbecue cook. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And finally, Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin-style chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Okay, and on today's show we have Diva Q. Hello, are you alright? Hi guys, how are you? We're really good, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. You're pretty excited. We've got you coming over to the UK. Uh, Traeger have uh, managed to, well, you're working with Traeger a lot, obviously, uh, sponsored by them and doing a lot of stuff with them. And uh, Riverside have got you coming over to do a few classes and stuff over in the UK. Yes, very excited. Uh, Traeger is one of my biggest corporate clients and partners. and um, I've been traveling all over the United States, did go and do a bit of traveling to the Germany, Amsterdam, and Norway areas last year, and this year we are absolutely coming to England at some point. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We can't wait. We're going to definitely come along to your class when you get here. Um, I guess before we get too far into it, we should get you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the background of DivaQ and what you're all about. Well, um, DivaQ is my company, my brand name, um, and certainly my barbecue competition team name. I actually do have a real name. It's Danielle Bennett, and <laughs> I have been uh, barbecuing and grilling uh, for my entire life, but competitively and professionally for the last 11 years. I am a barbecue author, consultant, uh, competitor, and overall um, just a general barbecue expert. Um, for all types of barbecue. Awesome. So what got you into barbecue in the first place? Then? Well, I think, you know, I love food, love to eat, and I've been barbecuing and grilling my whole life, and I just ended up having a uh, barbecue contest that I had the opportunity to judge. And because of that, I was able to go and judge the contest and enjoyed it so much that two, three days later, I bought my first smoker. Was that your first sort of real experience of competition barbecue and, and smoking at that sort of uh, event? It, it was my first experience with competition barbecue. It wasn't my first experience with southern-style barbecue. Um, I'm originally from Canada. I live in the U.S. And my parents, as they used to drive down from Canada to the U.S., we would stop occasionally and get barbecue and things like that. So it wasn't my first taste of it, but it was certainly a different taste when it's in a competitive setting. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mm. stopping off at roadside joints is probably some of the, the best barbecue you'll find in the world, but but also very, very different to, to what you see in the competition world. Yeah, you know, competition uh, barbecue is modified. It is um, often referred to as one-bite barbecue because in most cases, the judges are only going to be taking one, maybe two bites at the same time. Uh, in real life, we actually eat an entire meal of barbecue, so absolutely very different types of barbecue. Yeah, so what, what, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm going to jump and skip her quite a bit here, but as, because obviously you competed and you're a competitive barbecuer, and so so what do you do to, to change that? So someone who, who is used to cooking at home, just this home standard barbecue and backyard barbecue, what, what are the main differences between that and, and competition barbecue? Well, definitely your, um, it is definitely more rub. So we use, of course, lots of rubs to establish bark, which is that beautiful, delicious, crunchy layer on the outside of all meats, which is all the the myoglobin and the sugars that are in the meats, and they've caramelized on the outside, and they create this beautiful layer. 
when you're at home, you tend not to use quite as much rub um, for that development. In addition, um, a lot of people skip the sauce altogether at home and just eat more plain barbecue. Yeah, cool, awesome. And and is that so? Obviously, you mentioned that you're a consultant as well. So you do you do you work with uh, barbecue restaurants? Is it developing menus and stuff like that? I develop a lot of recipes, you know, and through the course of my career as a, as a TV host as well and, and appearing on many TV programs now, um, I got to travel, and even before TV I was traveling. So I've eaten at anywhere between five and 600 barbecue joints at this point um, all over North America and wherever I can for that matter. And so I've developed quite a palate and definitely have worked with multitudes of restaurants now on recipe development. Cool. What, can you name any of the restaurants that you've been working with? No, actually, one of the things is, is that for my clients, I sign NDAs, which is non-disclosure agreements. Um, I have definitely uh, done a very good job of keeping my mouth shut, and uh, because of that, <laughs> I'm hired. I'm hired quite regularly. <laughs> we can't break that then. That's that's all right. No, but, exactly. <laughs> so, out of those six hundred barbecue restaurants, have you got like a top sort of? Uh, Let's go with, I know it's quite hard to say the best, but can we go like a top three of the ones you've eaten in that, that sort of really strike to you like the, the with the best barbecue you've eaten across the sort of uh, United States and, and elsewhere? I will tell you this is my philosophy on best of lists. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a very few people that are qualified, I believe, to list barbecue restaurants in a ranking system. Um... I am probably one of those people. However, <laughs> however, because I get asked by many magazine publications <laughs> to put one of these out. You are not the first people to ask me this. I will tell you this. You will never, ever, ever see me put out a list <laughs> of the top. Um, and the reason is this. There are too many. There are many mom and pop shops. Words have weight to them. And at the end of the day, there are so many regional preferences and styles. I think to name them and rank them does them all a disservice because of that. That is a personal opinion. I have stuck to my um, opinion on that for many, many years now. I will tell you that I have um, definitely loved visiting some, some restaurants all over the U.S. and Canada. But I will not rank them. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great answer yeah. i'm going to flip it then okay so maybe let's try this uh if you uh -huh. were to if you were to get to only eat it for some reason you would you decide you're never going to eat barbecue ever again not going to answer <laughs> that one either nice try oh, i tried flipping it didn't work many have tried all have failed <laughs> let's start from the bottom then can you tell us the worst place for me <laughs> oh <laughs> Yeah, it was probably mine when I first started out. Yeah. How about that? That's an honest answer. When I first started out and I thought you needed, you know, 12 chunks of wood for, you know, one chicken breast. How about that? Yep. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, the thing is, is that um, I, I give a very similar answer to many people that have asked me to rank barbecue joints over the years. Everyone has their own personal bias based on where you live and where you're from. So if you're from Texas, of course you think Texas barbecue is the best. And if you're from Tennessee, of course you think Tennessee barbecue is the best. And if you're from the Carolinas, of course you think Carolina's barbecue is the best. So there's so many personal biases and so many so many people that with that are uneducated in barbecue writing about them. Um, it annoys me to no end. Um, I think people need to just get out and experiment on their own. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. I mean, it is so hard to pick, like you said. I mean, it's not just... I think that with every sort of cuisine, there's so many different variations. You talk about Italian, but you go to different areas of Italy and you have such different concepts. Exactly. It's so hard to sort of put a, a this is the best on it, like you said. So, so yeah, no, I like, I like that answer, and, and then I'm happy to stick with that answer. So let's, yeah. let's jump back to where we were. You, you judged your first barbecue contest, and then you went out and bought your first smoker. And, and yeah. how did things develop from there then? Well, you know, one of the things is, is that I actually have um, – a lot of people don't know this about me. Before I was a barbecuer, I have a degree in marketing and a degree in HR. So I worked corporately for 10 years. So I'm pretty analytical about how I go about a lot of stuff in regards to barbecue. One of the key things for me 
was the fact that as I was going to get into barbecue, that I needed to learn about barbecue organically, not just by reading a book, not just by trying some recipes. So what I started doing is I started traveling right away. Um, I went to Texas and North Carolina and South Carolina and Tennessee and I went to some very representative of barbecue states. So very much the regional um, hot spots. I traveled and I traveled and I ate and I learned and got to talk with and meet and develop friendships over the years with many people in the barbecue industry because of that. And that kind of set off the course of my career. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good good inroad to start in that area, I think. Yeah, get around, do some market research, try try the try the best, speak to the best, learn from the best. That's that's always a good starting point. Yeah, you know, and one of the other things was is that at home I developed my own style of barbecue. Um and it's it's very much a, a worldwide appreciation. I don't think you should ever also stop learning. Even now, after 11 years, I still go out and I'll take a meat science course or I'll go and take another barbecue competition class from somebody completely new. It's not that I don't need not to know how to cook. I know how to cook very well. But at the end of the day, I think the second you think you know everything about barbecue, you're an idiot. Because yeah. there are so many different preferences and there's so many different ways. There is no one right way to barbecue. That's what I try, keep trying to tell Ben, but he just doesn't listen to me. Just, I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> um, so, I'm guessing, like, uh, I'm, just, I'm still uh, thinking in my head about when you said about all the different regions and people having, like, the best, they think theirs is the best in their region, different people think in yes. different region. In the UK, I guess we we don't have that massive divide because of it being maybe such a smaller place, but, like, we wouldn't we wouldn't find if we went up the country that we'd find barbecue tasted much different i don't think have you been have you been to the uk before have you like been and tasted sort of barbecue that uk teams are putting out uh, okay I, I will tell you this i have had three and i won't even tell you what their names are three uk teams come and learn from me yeah cool. <laughs> yep what? and that in itself was a learning experience because even some of the things in regards to um, accessibility of products, right? Things that are accessible here in the United States versus accessible in the UK. So barbecue, once again, changes. Yeah. You, you know, um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I've never had the opportunity to eat anybody's barbecue from the UK that wasn't a competition team. So I've never eaten restaurant barbecue from the UK. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity later on this year. I'll bring you a little Tupperware when you come over to the UK. <laughs> I'll bring All you right up then. a little goodie bag, a little doggy bag with a few little treats from, from my backyard for you. We can go from there? Yeah, you can just tear it to pieces and tell me to get back to the get back in my backyard and learn how to smoke. But, but it'll be a good place to start, you know? That's what I have to say to him every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Once again, if you like it, then that's all that matters. That's what I keep telling myself, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, truly, because, you know, what I like for pork or chicken or brisket may not be anything that you like. And if you're happy with it and your family's with it and nobody's getting sick, then don't stop doing it. It makes you happy. <laughs> ah, cool. So we've mentioned you're coming over to the UK. Can we go into a bit yeah. more depth about what you're coming over to the UK to do? and, and yes, where that will be and, and how people can get in, in touch and, and book that and, and get to meet you and stuff. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm coming over uh, and I'll be at uh, Riverside and I'm going to see. try to say this correctly. Hertfordshire? Hereford, I think, isn't it? Or is it okay. Hertford? <laughs> You're probably I right. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I knew I was going to miss it. Um, and I'm coming over there to do a series of uh, classes. Um, with Traeger. Traeger is my biggest client. I teach all over for them. I love the opportunity. And I have the greatest time teaching four meats, chicken, ribs, pork, and barbecue um, brisket. And one of the things is, is it's a four to four and a half hour class. And we take you through the barbecue basics. Because my goal is to make everybody a backyard rock star. 
I want everybody to cook well. And there's some really great simple tips and tricks to make everybody cook really great barbecue. And so I give them a lot of incredible tools to have that happen on a consistent basis. So Riverside is, is organizing these classes uh, with the Traeger people. And I will fly across the pond, and I'll be there for about a week, I guess. And I'll have four to five classes with them. Uh, Riverside is one of the largest dealers um, in the in the UK, if not the largest, of barbecues and grilling and garden accessories. So I'm very excited to come over. Um, and in fact, they actually just announced an expansion, I believe it was yesterday, of their store as well. So Hertford, sorry. It is yeah, Hertford. Yeah, Hertford. You, you yeah. got it right. I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they, um, they have a, a wonderful assortment of items, a whole bunch of great ranges of, of prices. I don't know why my neighbor is honking the horn so much. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. So I, He's listening live and he's really he's a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. Um, so I'll be over there. I'm, I can't wait. Um, they're incredible people to talk to. I will be back in Germany this year again. I met them last year at Spoga. Uh, in, in Cologne, Germany, which is the largest outdoor retail show in the UK or in, in, in the entire Europe. Um, and so having an opportunity to be there with them uh, this coming year is terrific. I'll also be off in uh, Norway in a couple of weeks and also maybe a few other places later on this year. Awesome. So you get to do a bit of traveling. Well, I travel all over the US as it is right now. And I love the opportunity to travel internationally because it's such a, an eye-opening experience for so many people um, to bring American barbecue and explain to them American barbecue and to show them some tips and tricks because there's nothing more rewarding than having somebody say, oh my gosh, I just made that at home on your recipe. It's amazing. I did it again for my neighbors last week. It's really easy to do once, you know, it's consistent, repeatable results. And uh, that, to me, is extraordinarily rewarding. Definitely. What you said about traveling around and stuff, I, I wasn't doing a barbecue tour. I was just on holiday with the family, but in uh, Orlando, in Florida, in the summer last year. And yeah. It just happened. Like, literally, I was in the House of Blues in like, the Disney Springs. And the, yeah, ne that's... the next day, I saw a post from you. You were in there having a pint. I was like, I've gone all around the road and I've just missed her by a day. <laughs> you, you literally just missed me. Yeah. I was going to say, that's that's 35 minutes from my house. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband and I, um, we travel to Orlando. He works in Orlando. I, of course, I fly out of Orlando all the time. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a regular area that, you know, sometimes we'll go to the House of Blues. They've got good music. Yeah, it's nice in there. And, and, and I've been known to enjoy a few pints here and there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's how how has it been for you? It's been a bit of a whirlwind, really, because I mean, you're you're everywhere. You're you're traveling the world, you're traveling the US, doing all this barbecue stuff, and and I suppose it says what I've been reading is back back in two thousand and six was your your first time experiencing barbecue competition side of things, mm -hmm. and and you had the last nine years, and now you're sort of like a a worldwide barbecue name. Yes. How's, very hard how's that here. how's that been well i think the thing is is that i am uh i have i have a tattoo and i'll pretty much explain it <laughs> and it says live breathe eat barbecue so for example this morning um i wake up and my plan is okay what recipes am i going to work on today um what meetings do i have today where am i going next uh barbecue for me is all encompassing it's not just something i turn off or on barbecue is my life 100 percent um, I, you know, today I've got a bowl of focaccia dough resting on my counter right now, waiting for it to double in size because I'm working through about three or four focaccia recipes on my grill today. Um, it has not been easy. I'm not going to try to say that to anybody. I didn't automatically get here overnight, I guess you could say, <laughs> you know, there's been lots of trials and tribulations, um, a lot of hard work, um, it's, it's something when you pursue a passion that you actually want to have a career with, right? You have to kind of change gears a little bit and say, hey, this has been really fun, but how can I make a career that's productive, uh, profitable, enjoyable, 
that I'll have longevity in as well. And so one of the things I've been able to do is establish really great working contacts um, within the industry, um, have had opportunities presented to me, have turned down some opportunities because I didn't think they were really truly uh, right for my brand of DivaQ. And one of the things is I never stop. I have another tattoo on my other arm that says unstoppable because I really truly believe you do not ever stop learning, working towards your goals, and every single day it's a new challenge and to continue that momentum forward. I, I have had a very successful three-year run as a TV show host. Um, love doing that, love that experience. Now I'm moving on to more of the, uh, the teaching and I'm enjoying that so much it's insane. I love teaching barbecue. And I enjoy the feedback that I receive from our students all over. Last year alone was 1,500 students. 1,500 students is what I taught last year. That's awesome. And it was amazing. And, and it brings a smile to my, my face, and it gives me a great sense of pride and joy to know that so many people now are going to go to their, their grills, and they're not going to boil their ribs. <laughs> and they're going to have great, successful results. Um, I, had a, uh, you know, I have a brand-new book out. And that has been so well received. I'm very blessed about that. But once again, that was 60,000 words. It took me many years to write. And at the end of the day, to know that people are going back and, and making my recipes that I personally wrote and tried and all of that, it's just nonstop. It really is. It's always nonstop. That's amazing. It's great to see. I mean, I don't think it is anymore, but... I mean, I would say, like, traditionally, a barbecue is, like, such a, a male-dominated sort of area. It's amazing mm-hmm. to see, like, people like you. And in the UK, we have, like, uh, ladies like Jackie Waite, who won the Jack. And, uh, I mean, she was not only the first person from England to win the Jack, but she's the first female from England to win the Jack. Uh, I mean, we have, like, we have uh, Dreaming of the Good Life. We've got... So many people, Jess Prills from Australia, who are all strong females who are who are out there doing doing great things with barbecue. Well, you know, it's uh, there's there's such a, an assortment. Um, one of the key things is is that I, I was very proud uh, four years ago to be the only female and the only person, so male or female, to ever, ever in the history of the United States be given. A work visa as a barbecue expert. Wow, that takes a lot. <laughs> I'm the only person ever to ever. There's no one else in the world that has one. Um, and so to know that you got to that level through really hard work, that's awesome. I have had many opportunities to open up a restaurant. I've turned them all down at this point. <laughs> I like my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have many friends that own restaurants that are tied to them. 24-7, and, and I won't dismiss it in the future, but, you know, there's there's so many different venues and opportunities where you can take a barbecue career, and I, I'm enjoying my successes now and continuing to look for future growth and more growth opportunities because barbecue is ever-evolving, ever-changing. Um, you can even see that in, in the fact that here we are on a podcast. Uh, you're on the other side of the pond. I'm sitting beside my pool in Florida. And we're talking about barbecue. And a few years ago, this would not have happened. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. I mean, a lot more glamorous being sat by a pool, though. I mean, we're we're in a dingy recording studio. Uh, <laughs> it's freezing, this, outside. freezing outside <laughs> in the southwest of England. But it definitely wouldn't be happening, like you said, a couple of years ago. And I mean, yeah. this all this all came about as I mean, in the UK, barbecue's been bubbling away, and people have been really pushing it, and 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 really doing great things. I mean, amazing things. It's been amazing uh, to be part of the journey the last few years. I used to, we used to listen to some podcasts in the US, uh, Mikey from Mammy Barbecue and, and people like that. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking, uh, well, we'll let, we love those, so let's just try and do something ourselves over here. And, and there was nothing of it at the time. And, and now we, we're having great people like you and people loads of others from all over the world coming on the show and getting in touch. And we have listeners from all over the world, which is pretty wicked. It's, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Well, one of the cool things is, is that uh, I, I love the expansion of barbecue, just as you're speaking about it. One of the greatest things that I found out um, a couple of years ago was my show was shown in the U.S. and Canada first, of course. But my TV show actually went to 157 countries. 
And Whoa. so I have, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years ago, and then again last year, you know, all of a sudden I had all these fans from South Africa. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And, and then realizing, oh, yeah, they're showing barbecue crawl on South Africa. Um, an incredible fan base. Oh, they're incredible. Amazing. Australia, Australia loves barbecue. UK yeah. loves barbecue. Poland loves barbecue. Germany loves Norway, Belgium. All these different countries where um, they're getting, you know, American barbecue TV shows now and saying, we want more. And how do we learn? And that, to me, is it's so exciting. You know, when I first started, there wasn't the plethora of internet resources that there is now. You know, you had to travel if you wanted to learn. Now, every other week, there's a barbecue class somewhere you can take. There are so much readily available information that is out there. And so it's a great opportunity for learning for everyone in the world about barbecue because not only I, I don't look at it just as American barbecue. I love all barbecue. So that also, to me, includes grilling. And so whether it's, you know, Korean hot pot barbecue or we're in um, the UK using chestnut wood versus a traditional hickory wood, whether we're, you know, in South Africa um, or, or doing a braai barbecue or braai barbecue, there's so many different styles and interpretations of what barbecue and grilling is. I mean, that culinary landscape is bigger than any other landscape there is. You know, not everybody can make a French macaroon, right? Um, but everybody in the world has some version of barbecue. Yeah, definitely. And that is the beauty of it, is, is that when you talk about barbecue, that's why you sort of got to define it as, oh, when you're talking about stuff, you got to talk about what you're, you're saying. So I talk about US-style barbecue, you talk about, but even within US-style barbecue, there's so many different variations, but then you've got sort of like Southeast Asian barbecue, you've got sort of Persian barbecue, there's so many Mediterranean barbecues, and then there's just so many variations across across all these things and i mean again smoking can be dated back in europe and places like germany and poland i mean back hundreds and hundreds of years so there's forms of smoking and stuff like that that have been sort of around since since sort of food was around absolutely and you know one of the other things that i love about barbecue is that i am not a pretentious person i love the fact that barbecue trans completely translates to anybody at any socioeconomic background can do it. You know, you may not be cooking a double A nine plus Wagyu brisket from Australia. You might be just making chicken thighs <laughs> or something simple. But it doesn't matter your income level either. Everybody can have access to it. That's that's something also that's very unique about a barbecue or, or a grilling culture. You know, it doesn't matter. You do not necessarily have to have that five thousand dollar. Oh my gosh drop your jaw grill <laughs> you may have something very simple yeah it's fire see the block it's, pit whatever exactly it's 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 fire it's meat it's proteins it's vegetables and it's the ability to use fire to cook food and that's the at the very basis that's what it is so when you, you did barbecue crawl you did three seasons of it did you say yeah three seasons yeah, yeah. So you, it was awesome. You got to do a lot, a lot of traveling around, I guess, filming that and all the different episodes that you went on. Yeah, one of the things is, is that I wanted to have a show, um, and I'm very proud of it because I'm proud of the fact that we, we were a show that wasn't scripted. There were no lines. And the reason the show came about was because I was already doing it in my real life, my everyday life. How I learn about barbecue is I traveled everywhere eat barbecue, talk to pit masters, talk to the owners, talk to the guys that are manning the pits, talk to the women that are manning the pits, talk to them about their wood selection. How do they select their meats? How do they trim their meats? How do they cut their meats? How do they make their sauce? How do they make their, you know, their, their rubs? And so when that came about, I had the opportunity literally to put my life on camera and say, this is what I actually do. I go out and I eat barbecue everywhere. I never get sick of it. I get the opportunity to go and do competitions and you don't always win. That's not the way it works. <laughs> and so one of the great things is, is that when you have an opportunity to put your life out there, you're putting your passion and your true love of, of the entire uh, food culture that is barbecue. And so we got to go to some mom and pop shops that were sometimes cement blocks and chicken wire. And then we went to other shops that had $25,000 smokers. And we told their stories, and it was a very honest show, and it was a very truthful, integrity-filled show that showed the love of all types of barbecue. 
And the feedback we got was enormous. It was incredible to have so many people say, that was so cool you went to that place in Georgia or that place in Texas or South Carolina or wherever we may have been. And then we went to places that were doing like new spins on barbecue. Like there's this great place in the New Orleans called Boucherie where he is a high-end fine dining, you know, chef that is literally using smoke as an ingredient. And so we showed a really great wide diverse um, assortment of barbecue. And that was really awesome. And some of the places, they had so much traffic after we were there, it helped them keep afloat some of those smaller places that were kind of struggling. Yeah. So that's very, very, very rewarding. Now it's been shown in 156 countries. Uh, have you thought about maybe going back for a four season and, and taking it further abroad and and, uh, and sort of doing the same thing but traveling the rest of the world and introducing, like you were saying, like the different styles at Bry's and and uh, Perea's, South America, and, and stuff like that, and, and introducing that side of barbecue? I think that that's definitely a possibility in the future. Um, I don't know if it will be the same production company. The original um, production company and the network that it was on actually changed their entire format to an all-digital channel that was sci-fi and paranormal. <laughs> and so... <laughs> it doesn't really fit yeah. anymore then. Uh, it, it really didn't fit anymore. Well, we could fly yeah, around in like so, a flying saucer or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it, television is a weird little landscape of, of oddities. And I am, I, I, I turned down a couple of opportunities to do a different type of program where they wanted everything scripted and things like that. And at the end of the day, I, it has to be the right fit, first of all, for me. I am never ever have I ever I'm not a money hungry person and so I don't do things just for a check do you know what I mean I'm I'm, I'm very lucky yeah. that I have the opportunity now to turn down things that don't fit right because at the end of the day I really try very much to live an integrity filled life which means that I am very careful with my words and one of the things is, is if I endorse a product it does very well. And so companies, you know, they will come after you and say, hey, can you endorse my product? Or we'll make a contract. And it has to be the right fit because I have to genuinely believe in it, whether it's a product or a TV show or whatnot. If I don't genuinely believe it or genuinely get on board with it, I won't endorse it. And that, that has co cost me financially um, in the last couple of years. But I also know that my word is good. You know, and, yeah, and but not only that, if you day, started supporting whack products and yeah, and then people buy them and realize your word isn't, isn't worth a penny, then exactly, then suddenly no company really wants you to 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 promote their product because yeah, so it's so it's like me, a full circle thing. Yeah, and for me, it's the same thing with TV shows. If it's not the right fit, and they they're handing you a script and saying, "Hey, can you see these lines?" That's never going to work for me. Because at the end of the day, I have to be me, and I have to just go yeah. with what I know and what I think is right. And, uh, you know, it's like you fall by your words or you stand by your words, one or the other. <laughs> Definitely. Well, let's, now we're talking about this sort of thing, let's we talk about Traeger a bit and, and your your relationship with Traeger and, and how that yeah. sort of came about. And, I mean, did you have a Traeger before, or, or was it sort of like Traeger started talking to you, you got one, you loved them, and, and then decided, yeah, that's something I'm happy to do? So I've been actually been using Traegers for 11 years. Um, Traeger Canada East, they're a distributor of Traeger in Canada. Their warehouse used to be about six blocks from my house in Canada. And I actually met the owner, uh, Gary Trotter there, and he and I developed a friendship. And he's like, I'd like you to try this grill. And so he brought one over to my house, and I worked on it and played on it. And I had some challenges, and I had some things to overcome. And I liked it a lot, though. And so I went out and I was using it very regularly. I love the versatility of the grills. And, and since that time, there's been two different owners. There's a new um, owner now, Jeremy Andrus. He is the CEO of Traeger Industries. And now they've moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. I was just there two weeks ago. And one of the things is, is that they've changed a lot of the product schematics. And they've made it better. And so one of the things I recognized uh, when they approached me a couple of years ago is that this company was not resting on their laurels, first of all. They are, in my opinion, the most versatile, easiest grill to use with the most consistent, easily repeatable results. 
And so for residential use, it is my number one pick, my number one preferred grill, hands down. Not, there's nothing else out there closest that is as easy or as versatile in its state. Um, I love the fact that they have now changed some beautiful, beautiful legs on the grill. On the Pro 34 or the Pro 22, they've got these beautiful big industrial legs on them now. I actually even shot an infomercial with them. I was that confident with them um, that I was willing to do that. And that's putting myself out there a lot. Because people, you know, they're like, oh, what do you mean you shot an infomercial? That's hilarious. You're like the new, what, ShamWow woman of barbecue? <laughs> but at, the end, at the end of the day, I really do believe in the grill that much. I love what it does. I love the fact that I have, oh, I own like six or eight of them now. And they are so consistent. doesn't matter if it's minus 22 out or 102. You can still great get you know great bark on them i love the fact that i can bake a pie on there and not worry about it burning i love the fact that i can put 25 pounds of bacon directly on the grill and not worry about it flaring up i love i can put a pot on that grill and have like a hot pot of stews or soups or whatever on that grill as well so for me it was a genuine love of the grill and they came to me a couple years ago and proposed a new contract with them and I, and I sat back, and, and because the new owners were so forward-thinking, and, and then, like, once again, I, I, I'm going to repeat, they're not resting on their laurels. There's a new grill that's coming, yeah. and it is a game-changer. The Timberline, is talk, it? Yeah, it is the Timberline. I won't talk about specifics yet because that's up to them to, on the press release, but it is the Timberline. It is amazing. I have had one testing one out for an, an, almost a year now. Uh, I have one of the brand-new beta prototype models. It is a game changer, and so it even takes pellet grilling to a whole new level. And I, I've had, in the course of my barbecue life, I've had 65 barbecues of every type, charcoal, propane, gas, wood, offset, indirect, reverse gravity, pellets, you name it, I've owned it. And for me, the residential grill is the one grill you go to time and time and time again. And for me, it is my pellet grills, hands down. And I can say that with absolute honesty, integrity, because I'm the one that's here. And if anybody's, you know, has looked at my social media, they know that I'm baking, barbecuing, grilling almost every single day that I'm home. If I'm not on the road, I'm doing something. Um, last night, I did a, uh, a smoked chicken uh, pot pie. Uh, a couple days before that, it was just regular steaks. A couple days before that, it was a bacon-weaved item. Uh, today, like I said, I'm doing the focaccia on the grill. Tomorrow, I've got fish that's planned on the grill. Seafood's coming up next week as well. So for me, the versatility, the ease of use, the versatility of the six types of barbecuing and grilling, braising, smoking, baking, all in one, is huge. And the fact that I can have the same consistent results from time to time, that makes it worth it. Cool. Awesome. So with the grilling on them, so... <laughs> Obviously, I think they get up to about 220C, I think, 230C, which is like 400F, sort of top whack. And uh, uh, The new one will go higher. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Well, currently, with, with like the Pro Series, they, they go up to around that. When you're grilling on one of those, like, what what are the techniques you use to grill on one of those? Because is, is that, again, when you're grilling, you tend to rely on, do you take like the heat? deflector off the, the fire deflector out or do you nope. grill with that in you just whack it up to full temperature and grill i absolutely uh i absolutely do it the same the same i don't ever modify it um one of the things that people need to realize is that that beautiful crust on the outside of meat is called you know uh the bark it's basically the maillard reaction happening and one of the things is, is that that temperature um, is a lot lower than people think it is. You know, at, uh, at sugars caramelize at 320 degrees. And so one of the things is, is that anytime you go over that, you're going to get that beautiful caramelization on the outside of your meats as well. You get that beautiful, d delicious breakdown of proteins that makes that, you know, mouth-watering taste <laughs> that everybody loves. And that's why we barbecue. 
So one of the things that Traeger has been able to do is because they all, of course, all go over that amount. So that's, uh, let's see, 320, that's 160 degrees Celsius. Yeah. One of the things is, is that every time you put a, a steak on there or a, um, a pork chop or a chicken breast or whatever, you can have that beautiful texture, but it's not going to be as hard as it is if you were on a direct flame. So what ends up happening is that you get that beautiful texture, but you get a much more moist surface and a much more moist piece of meat as well, which is brilliant. You know, so you have, you know, your steaks and you have these chicken chops and, and you have your pork chops and all these things. And you're getting this beautiful, delicious moistness to the meat because, you know, I think everybody can agree. We've all overcooked a pork chop or a chicken breast. Pretty yep. easy to do. Pretty darn easy to do it. I call Ben's and... briskets biscuits because they always come out. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> and it's a lie. <laughs> oh, you just want to cl- clarify that that is a lie, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, one of the things is that the entire grill, other than an inch and a half around these, the edges, is indirect. So you're able to achieve these spectacular, moist, delicious results, but still obtaining that beautiful caramelization of sugars on the outside from the myoglobin and the naturally occurring sugars that are in the meats themselves. So it's, it's a brilliant grill. Cool. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. And, and I, I've, I've recently got one. So this is, I'm, I'm asking you questions, I'm praying, I'm trying to learn here. So I tend to find that obviously on the smoke saying, which sits at about 80, 90 degrees Celsius, uh, yep. that, that that's when you're getting like an, a nice thick, heavy smoke coming out. Uh, where, whereas when I go higher than that, it tends to sort of uh, very, be, be very sort of sporadic and periodic in its smoking. So Well, it's, it's cyclical. Y- okay. Yeah, cyclical. Yeah. So in cycles, it releases uh, yeah. s- smoke, basically. So so when you're cooking like bigger cuts of meat, are you meant to start it off on the on the smoke setting for, say, I don't know, half an hour, an hour, and then pump up the temperature to cook it to whatever you want? Or how would you advise sort of uh, the smoking process of, say, like a, a brisket or a pork butt on, on a Traeger? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about personal preference now. <laughs> So one of the things is, is that personal preference comes into your decision-making all the time in barbecue. So some people like their foods literally coated in a very heavy layer of smoke. And there's like the option of having a piece of meat that tastes like a, a, a pipe, a smoked pipe. <laughs> and then there is a, the option of, of having a piece of meat that has been lovingly smoked, gently caressed with smoke versus slapped upside the head. I'm in the portion of life where I like things gently smoked. So typically I will tell you this, the lower you go, of course, the more smoke you're going to get. So I like the two, personally 225 to 250 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Um, Oh my gosh. I can't remember. Yeah, so about like 110 to like 130. Yeah, 120. Yeah, 120. Yeah, yeah, right around there is where I like to cook most of my meats. That being said, one of the things you have to keep in mind is is that the lower the quality of the meat, so if you've got a lower grade of meat that doesn't have as much marbling, the lower the grade of meat, the lower and slower you should be cooking it. If you have a higher, highly marbled piece of meat, the higher you can cook it because the absorption of smoke and the way the fats break down will allow for a tender, a more tender piece of meat, period. In regards to smoke absorption in the meats, a lot of people don't think about this. And one of the key things is that if you're planning on serving this the following day, which a lot of people I think do with their pork and their brisket, right? They'll cook them, yeah. get the stress out, and then they'll reheat them. One of the key things that people have to remember is that on the following day, your food will be smokier tasting than on the original day. And that's because water is smoke-soluble. So once it's been wrapped up with your clean film or, or whatever, and it sits in the fridge overnight, all those water molecules literally are literally almost like little smoke bombs. And so that's going to go back into your meat again. And so your meat is actually going to be smokier on the second day than it is on the first day. 
So I would t- tell most people to take it easy on the smoke if you're going to serve the following day. If you want to eat it the same day, yeah, run it for an hour maybe, maybe even two on the smoke setting if you really want a big smoke flavor. But knowing that always on the second day that you're going to be eating it, it's going to taste smokier. Cool. cool. Awesome. That answered that. Mm. <laughs> There's, that's the official answer to that. How about that? Yeah, no, I like that. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. It's good to know. It's good to know. And I know there's plenty of people in the UK who are, I mean, Riverside are doing really well pushing the Traegers. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I guess that Traeger themselves are doing well by making and updating their product and, and mm-hmm. putting out a good product so people are seeing that and using it. So, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of uh, put it out there and, and sort of try and help educate people. But I guess they can learn a lot more when they come and see you at Riverside when you come over. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things is that this is um, a lot of times people forget that a lot of barbecue is basic meat science. And so one of the things I try to do is I try to remind people to always think about meat science at the same time. Um, you can look up anywhere online the Maillard reaction, which is where you're caramelizing meats, and that's the natural proteins and the sugar. So that's something that everybody needs to learn about. Um, one of the things is is that the, the Maillard reaction on meats can happen lower, so it can even happen like at 250 degrees, versus the higher temperatures of caramelization, which is like 320, 330 degrees. So all that beautiful browning that everybody does, you know, when you have a grill that has a wood-fired base to it and the science smoke behind it, it's really key for understanding that this is why a Traeger works well consistently. When you control your smoke, you control your end product. When you control your smoke consistently, your end product is going to be consistently good every single time. Awesome. I mean, you keep mentioning like barbecue being like the sort of the backyard or at home barbecue of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, so what, what do you use in competitions or what did you use in competitions when you were competing to cook? Well, I don't do very many competitions anymore. Um, I use a, my pellet grills, absolutely. Um, sometimes I would use a charcoal grill a uh, reverse gravity um, grill as well. It was always, I, I've never been one single type of grill for competitions. Um, I've definitely always been a combo grill cooker. So I've always had a pellet grill and a charcoal grill. And the reason is, is that one of the things is that I realized that I wanted to have a much more abrasive type of smoke in my meats that I was competing with versus a much more gentle smoke. Going forward next year, I'll have different um, I'll have different triggers on my on my trailer next year that will address those issues. <laughs> oh, some more yeah. more little hints there. What's what's to come? We want to know. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> what about in the like commercial world? Is Traeger used very much in the sort of kitchens and stuff that you worked with? Well, Traeger has uh, uh, what's called the Calm Two Hundred which is a big roll-top door grill. Um, I've cooked on it many times. It's a beautiful, beautiful grill. They also have a trailer model, which is two of the um, extra largest or the 150s. And so they're definitely much more of a commercial size. I think their commercial uh, grilling opportunities and selections will grow with the company. Um, I think that they're focus right now i mean I'm, I'm i'm not an employee but i would say i believe that their focus right now is is definitely bringing up the the plethora of residential grill uh opportunities for people cool thank you um a little while ago we were we were on a tv show ourselves in the uk and at the time we were researching like different ideas for like desserts and stuff and i stumbled across just like I was just Googling barbecue desserts, <laughs> and I found something from DivaQ that was a dump cake. What's a dump yeah. cake? Yeah. So a dump cake is, is it's a horrible name. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it does not give any good visual, okay? It really doesn't. So one of the things is, is a dump cake is one of the easiest things to make on any grill, and literally it's a box of commercial, regular yellow or white cake mix. You mix it into a pan with crushed pineapple um, and, and the juices from a, a large tin of, of crushed pineapple. Then you take a pie filling of your choice, whether it be apple or cherry or whatever, slosh that in there <laughs> as well, mix it up, dump a whole bunch of butter on top, and throw it on your grill. <laughs> and basically, that's where the, the name dump cake came. You just so, dump it all in. So, 
you dump it all in, you mix it all up, you throw the butter on top, you put it on your grill, and literally forget about it for about an hour, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And what you end up with is almost like a uh, cobbler at the end. So it's got these cakey bits, it's got these pie bits. Uh, it's all sorts of delicious. It's so bad for you, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Because, of course, I'm going to love it. Of course, it's going to be delicious, and I'm going to love it completely. So I have friends of mine, they're, they're children, um, they competed with one of the dump cakes, and so actually it's one of the recipes in my cookbook as well. Cool. And is there many, yeah. uh, is there many dessert-type recipes in your book? Yes, I have sections on everything, um, whether it be fish or pork, beef, chicken, salads, vegetarian options, uh, grilled vegetables, desserts. And I've actually won a lot of awards for desserts on grills. I have I put my award winning uh, it's called Death by Diva recipe in the cookbook, and uh, I know that there. I mean, I got twenty four, twenty six, uh, one eighty pins, which is a perfect score. Um, and I know that there are many other teams now that have gone out and used my own recipe, and they've also got one eighty. So that's kind of rewarding. Awesome. I think I think if you start a meal on a grill, you should finish a meal on the grill. So whether you're doing something complicated like a layered cheesecake dessert on the grill or a simple, you know, free form type of pie galette on the grill, I love that versatility factor. I love the fact that if you are going to call yourself a pit master, you shouldn't just be able to cook four meats. You should be able to cook everything. Definitely. Amen. You there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we literally live our lives cooking all. I mean, that's something we always do: free course meals, all out mm -hmm. on the barbecue, start a main dessert, and and that's sort of like our philosophy on stuff. We exactly yeah. the same as you. Yeah, start a meal on the grill, fill it, finish a meal on the grill. Yeah, why would you? Uh, my whole thing is that, especially even even here in Florida where I live, is you know it's a hundred degrees out or ninety degrees out. I'm not turning on my oven for anything. Okay. I'm going to do it on the grill, whether it's cookies or pies or lasagnas or chicken pot pies. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to do it on the grill. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's when I'm having an entire meal. I mean, I love to entertain. We had friends here yesterday from um, Michigan. The day before that, I had some friends here from Louisiana. And we're all barbecuers and grillers. And that's kind of just the way, you know, it is. It's, it's, it's fun to do that. It's also, if you're cooking on... If you're cooking on a barbecue main course, you don't want to create extra washing up. You don't want to be in and out of the kitchen as well. You want to just chill out, relax. Yeah, and, sit and you know, dessert. Yeah, desserts don't have to be complicated. It can be as something as simple as you dumping know, it in a peaches. pan. <laughs> dumping it in a pan, or even how about something like you know grilled peaches with a Grand Marnier sauce. Yeah, and lush. some ice cream. You know, just something simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I think people tend to overcomplicate their dinners as well and, and, and when they're entertaining as well i'm a very you know my friends come over they love it because he literally i got my i've got my plates and my my cutlery all piled on the table everybody serves themselves it's very casual very relaxed and nobody feels pretentious or the need to put on anything you know um and that's how we eat every day it's just regular normal food um that's just made a little more extraordinary by the by the kiss of smoke awesome Talking about the 180 badge, the team from the UK uh, recently, bunch of swans, got a 180 on their brisket last season, towards the end of the season, which was which was awesome. And KCBS this year is coming to the British Isles. We've got two competitions lined up. Me and Ben are actually organising a, a KCBS uh, Masters for the UK in April. And then uh, uh, some good friends of ours from Miss Piggies, who are a KCBS team who compete a lot in the US, uh, they're also organising one uh, in the end of June. So that's Brewing Q and ours is Q Fest. So, uh, so yeah, we've got KCBS coming to the British Isles this year, which is pretty exciting. That's awesome. I love hearing about the growth of all things about barbecue. You know, I, I am friends with Scott and uh, Linz. Um, I have had the opportunity um, to meet a lot of international teams, a lot of barbecue teams internationally. And I, I love seeing their success. Because it used to be like if an international team came to the U.S., they would go, okay, whatever. They're just here to put on, you know, their little their little Barbie. <laughs> and they were almost dismissed. And now it's, oh, they actually know their stuff and they're coming. So it's, it's a, there's a bit of a change into the guard, I guess you would think, on the, on the eology of that. It's yeah. kind of neat, neat to see. 
It's awesome. They're coming over. They're not only going over, but they're going over and they're winning competitions. They're GCing over in the US, which is awesome. They're representing the UK really, really well across the world, which is awesome. I love seeing that, you know, and, and it's it's really, really fun to watch and to see the, and maybe it's because I'm Canadian as well, originally, <laughs> you know, because I, I know, I know when I first, when I got my first grand championship in the U.S., I went over to, I was in Pennsylvania and I went over and I remember what it was like and all these teams kind of scoffed at me, this woman coming from Canada, what the hell is she going to know about barbecue, right? And I won three out of four categories that day, first places. Awesome. And I went home with my grand championship. So you showed them. Grinning from ear to ear going, yeah, this Canadian from, from, you know, that thinks she knows barbecue, she might know a few things. (laughs) (laughs) And and she worked really hard to get here. Now, you know, my, my career has changed. I don't do, I do very little competing now, very little. And when you're out of it, it's really hard to get back in that groove. <laughs> and so my focus is now definitely on more on my contracts and my my corporate clients. And now um, I don't have the same kind of intensity. Um, when I was starting out, I used to you know practice for two, three weeks in a row on everything. And now I'm like, oh, let's go out and have a good time. <laughs> it's a little more fun now. Yeah. Relax and just enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, I relax a lot more now, and it's it's uh, it's just you know it's just the way my my career in barbecue has transitioned now, and I don't worry so much about barbecue competitions and, and winning at barbecue competitions. You know, I'm I'm more concerned with okay, um, have I made enough recipes this year? Have I written enough um, you know things down? Has the content um, done really well? One of the cool things is that we figured out that uh, last year uh, and going forward, I'm now the world's most influential female barbecuer. And one of the things is we look at the traffic patterns on Twitter and Instagram and all the social media channels. So that's something that's really cool um, to know that you have that much influence. Awesome. So once again, that ties back into having integrity and and you don't just take a check because. And uh, I've got incredible fans, incredible fans all over the world now. And I'm really grateful for all of it because they, they just make every day really interesting. Awesome. No, no, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing as a barbecue to have you as a part of the barbecue world representing and, and being out there and, and really pushing things hard and, and teaching people now, traveling around the world and, and just passing on what you what you uh, developed over the years. So, so yeah, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. And we look forward to meeting you when you finally get over here to Riverside and we get to come along to your class and learn some of your awesome skills. Perfect, guys. I look forward to it very much. I can't wait to come across where I'm not racing through one of your airports and actually can stay for a few days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, nah, it'd be cool having you. And uh, a lot of the guys and girls are looking forward to meeting you. And, and it's been a big talk already in the in the barbecue scene over here. So, so yeah, a lot of people are looking forward to it. Awesome. I cannot wait. Thanks for the opportunity to come on your podcast as well. No worries. Thanks, thanks for coming on. It's an honor. Just before you go, could you just remind everyone where they could find you on social media and online well i make it very easy for everybody it doesn't matter if you're on twitter instagram snapchat youtube my name is the same all across the board it's diva q bbq that's it simple guys happy days (laughs) awesome thank you very much thank you all cheers chat soon bye bye Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue could be yours all year round. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk and Facebook and Twitter. 
And finally, Smokeless Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com or you can find them on Twitter under Smokewood Shack. So goodbye from me. And goodbye from me, the Not best barbecue cook of the United Q. I 